Welcome back, guys. I'm Nick. I'm Faye. And this is Kriag's Over, Over Coffee. Coffee. So today we're going to go through part two of our statistics and study design episodes. Today, going through different study designs. And our learning objectives are still going to be the same from last time. So let's kick it off, Nick. We're going to first talk about different kinds of study designs. Wahoo! Yay! <laughs> this is also going to be helpful for all of you guys that are doing resident research projects. Yes, or at least Faye and I sitting over here scrambling nervously to get them done. <laughs> I guess let's kick it off. You know, actually, this is good for me to start off. The first study we're going to talk about is a case control study, um, which is my resident research project. I get excited. Um, the case control study is a uh, is an observational study. If we start off, you're going to take a look at subjects that are chosen on whether or not they have a disease. And typically, you're looking at people who have a disease and comparing them to people who didn't have a disease. And if you're starting from the presence of the disease, then you're going to look backwards. And you're looking backwards to look at risk factors. Those risk factors you can develop an odds ratio for, but that's the only thing you can really calculate is an odds ratio. You can't calculate prevalence, you can't calculate incidence, but you can determine whether something is associated with a disease state as a risk factor. The next study that kind of fits alongside the case control study is a cohort study. So whereas a case control study, again, we said we could only calculate an odds ratio, a cohort study now is going to take a look at a number of subjects and evaluate them initially based on risk factors and oftentimes you're looking forward. So rather than looking at say hypertension and saying these people have hypertension, let's look backwards in their life to see what risk factors they had. Now you're going to say, oh, okay, we're going to look at this group of people that has potentially a number of different risk factors and look forward to see if any of them develop hypertension. So a lot of times these cohort studies are observational and prospective in nature. And then from this, you can calculate those things like relative risk um, and measure the incidence of a disease in a population. And then really the last type of study that we'll mention today is the clinical trial, the classic, um, an experimental study. I highly <laughs> recommend against for a resident research project being at the opposite end of doing one. <laughs> Faye's personal experience here definitely can attest to the fact that these tends to be you know, the most intense studies. You need a lot of resources, you usually need a lot of cash, and you have to really evaluate a lot of things prospectively. You're providing some sort of intervention and you're measuring what happens, the outcome after that. The two groups generally should be the same that you're working on, one getting you know, classically a placebo and the other one getting the intervention. And these studies are given the most credence when they're randomized, meaning that when they're enrolled, randomly they're assigned to one or the other. And when it's a double-blinded study, meaning that neither the study subject nor the researcher knows which group the, uh, the subject ended up in. After we've talked about the different types of studies that we can do, I also wanted to talk about those terms that Nick threw out, you know, relative risk and odds ratio and all of that stuff. We once again have to draw ourselves that nice two by two table. 
though, again, if you want to go onto our website and take a look at the visual, it's there for you. Just to remind you all again, the relative risk and odds ratio table, on the left-hand side, it'll say exposure, meaning did the subjects have the exposure or did they not have the exposure? And on the top will be the disease. Did they get the disease or did they not get the disease? So those who have had the exposure and who got the disease are going to be your true positives. Those that had the exposure but didn't get the disease are going to be the false positives. Those that did not have the exposure but had the disease will be your false negatives. And then the, those that did not get the exposure and don't have the disease will be your true negatives. So your relative risk, which we said you can only calculate if you actually have a cohort study, is the risk of having the disease in the exposed group divided by the risk of having the disease in the unexposed group. And bear with me, the mathematical formula is going to be A, those true positives, over everybody who was exposed, A over A plus B, all of that divided by C, which is your false negative, divided by everybody who was not exposed to the disease. So again, the way to say that is really just your risk of having the disease in the exposed group divided by risk of having the disease in the unexposed group. Next is your odds ratio. So this can only be used for case controls. The odds ratio is, it approximates the relative risk and it only works if the prevalence of the disease is not too high. So really the odds ratio is going to give you an approximation uh, of the relative risk. Um, the formula is going to be a times D, meaning the true positive, times the true negative, divided by the false positives times the false negatives. And the last thing I wanted to talk about is something called attributable risk. This I kind of think about is like, how much did this exposure actually lead to you having the disease? How much risk did it give you? So a concrete example would be like, how much did cigarette smoking actually lead you to have lung cancer? And that would be your true positives, over everybody who had the exposure. So people who had the disease and had the exposure divided by everybody who had the exposure, whether or not they had the disease or not, subtracted by those people that had the disease but did not have the exposure, divided by everybody who did not have the exposure. And once again, we will have notes for this on our website, and I highly apologize for having to read out mathematical equations to everybody. <laughs> It's only so much you can do in the podcast, but that's why the website exists. So let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked now about the different types of study designs and the different statistical tools we use, but there are lots of ways that studies and designing a study can go wrong. Where can we go wrong? I think really what we think about in this way is the bias factor. Um, and actually, there are definitely questions on board examinations that ask you to take a look at a study and decide what type of bias is present or most present. Um, so here's just a few examples here. So one topic or one possibility is selection bias. So selection bias states that when you're choosing your subjects, you choose a very specific group in some fashion rather than really sampling the general population. So say you're testing out a drug for insomnia, and because medical students and residents never get any sleep, they were more likely to sign up for this study than the general population. So you may end up with a inappropriate conclusion because medical students and residents aren't representative of the general population of people with insomnia. 
Another type of bias is a recall bias or survivorship bias. And this is when you're really you're asking people about exposures or risk factors or their absence. And if those subjects recall them differently depending on whether they had the disease. So for instance, if you talk to people about having breast cancer, they may be more likely to recall that they had chest x-rays or some other form of radiation in the past than somebody who didn't have breast cancer. Or when you talk about you know, problems with patients during pregnancy, they maybe feel like they took Tylenol more often than somebody who didn't. And so sometimes it's hard to tease out those types of things, um, especially with a retrospective study design. Another type of bias is the observation bias, or as some of you might know it, the Hawthorne effect. And this definitely applies especially to social science type of studies where people know they're being watched and thus they act differently. Um, so it's really not a reflection of true behavior. The last type of bias that we'll mention here is the observer bias, which is really our fault rather than a issue with the subject. We as researchers are projecting our expectations onto the research, so we're kind of like cherry-picking our conclusions. How do we reduce bias? So we've already talked about some of these things. The first of which is, if you're having a study, you should try and blind it. So that way, both the observer, meaning the study, the people doing the study, and the participants aren't aware which side of the study they're being they're in. The other thing is to have a control group. So making sure that they're, if you're giving some a, one group an intervention, that you're also giving the other group the placebo. Also doing crossover studies where everybody is their own control. So the last thing is to randomize and make sure that both groups are equal in some way. Um, and then the last part is all the mathematics that we end up doing. So we can have a lot of statistical errors as well that can make your study conclusions wrong. I'm sure by this point we've heard about type 1 and type 2 statistical errors, but we are going to talk about them because I think there are CREOG questions on both. Definitely. So a type 1 statistical error, or alpha, is when you're making an error and stating that there is a difference when there really is not. This is why you would use the p-value when we talk about the p-value a lot. So when p is less than 0 0.05, we say that there is a less then 5% chance of making a type 1 error, meaning stating there's a difference when there really is not. So that one's pretty easy to understand because we talk about p-value all the time. Type 2 is stating that there is no difference when there actually is a difference. So the way that I think about it is type 1 kills someone and type 2 makes professors blue. So type 1, you're saying there's a difference when there really isn't. That's like, you know, you're publishing papers and saying, making all these statements, and that's really serious. Type 2, though, you know, makes professors blue because you're saying that there's no difference when there actually is one. So it makes it really hard to publish your paper because your p-values aren't significant. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to talk about, Nick, is uh, something called power. So your power is the probability of rejecting the null hypothesis when it is actually false. So the things that will affect power are things like the total number of subjects. So increasing your sample size is going to increase your power. So if you think back to that type 2 or beta error again, the power of a study is equivalent to 1 minus that beta. Conventionally speaking, in scientific papers, you put the beta at 0.2 or 0.2 or 20%. So the power conventionally speaking, will be calculated at 80% or better. 
So I think they were through with this part of statistics. Let's Thank try goodness. and uh, summarize. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so let's talk about the different study designs. So we talked about case control, cohort, and clinical trials. Case control is looking at subjects, whether or not they have a disease, and then looking to see what the risk factors were. And with this, you can only calculate the odds ratio. A cohort study is also an observational study, but you're choosing subjects based on what risk factors they have. And it's a prospective study, and you're seeing if the subjects develop the disease. Um, and from this, you can calculate a relative risk. And a clinical trial is when you have two groups and you're giving one group an intervention and the second group a placebo or no intervention. Also remember to set up your two-by-two two table just like we talked about before. The disease is always on top and your exposure this time is going to be on the left. Talked about a number of different formulas to analyze your studies. The relative risk being relevant for cohort studies. That's your risk of having the disease in your exposed group versus your risk of having the disease in the unexposed group. An odds ratio can approximate the relative risk for rare diseases only in case control studies. And finally, an attributable risk is to say, how much did this particular risk factor or exposure actually lead to you having that disease? We also talked about things that can go wrong with your study. So we talked about the many different biases um, and we touched on a few like selection bias, recall bias, observation, observation bias, and observer bias. And lastly, those statistical errors. Remember, your type 1 error is the same as your alpha, stating there's a difference when there's really not. This represented by your p-value or conventionally 0.05. Type 2 error or stating there is no difference when one actually exists, traditionally 0.20. And 1 minus your beta is the power of your study, which is the probability of rejecting the null hypothesis when it is actually false. All right, Nick, so that has been our episode on study design. And thank goodness we're coming to an end on this arc on statistical analysis and study design because uh, I have to say I'm not the expert in this field. This was not a fabulous adventure through pregnancy. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Once again, I'm Faye. And I'm Nick. This has been Kriag's Over Coffee. If you like this podcast, go ahead and give us a rating and review on whatever podcatcher you're using to listen to us. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and many other platforms. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter at Kriag's Over Coffee 1. You can also find us on our website at www.kriagsovercoffee.com. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or any topic that you'd like to listen to, please email us at kriagsovercoffee at gmail.com. And remember, set up your two-by-two two table. Mm -hmm.